Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Launching a book isn't easy, but it can also launch you into a whole new life. What's important now is that I am a best-selling author and that's awesome. I found my soul on this journey. I found my purpose, you know, in life. In this show, I talk to authors about how they launched and how it took them to the next level. Hi there, and welcome to episode 324 of Launchpad. How you guys doing? I got a really good treat for you today. Uh, I'll say this a million times in the episode, but this is one of my favorite people on earth. He has done my storytelling show numerous times and brings the house down. But I got him talking about the more I saw the most serious side of him I've ever seen. And what's he he has a very unique publishing story. So this is a story about somebody who reached whose books reached the number one spot on the New York Times bestseller list, two different books, whose life really did change overnight as a result of his book. It was, you know, the Cinderella story. But who tells what the story is behind the story, what you may not know when you fantasize about being that New York Times number one bestselling author who goes on Oprah all the time. So his name is Greg Barrett. I think I've said New York Times bestselling author several times. Um, In addition to being on Oprah, he's been on the Today Show, Anderson Cooper, The View, but he is, he is a comedian and a real funny one at that who's also been on Conan, Letterman, The Tonight Show. He hosted his own talk shows and reality shows. He's had numerous uh, comedy specials. And he has taken a professional turn because his life took a personal turn. He has recovered from cancer twice in the past five years. He is also sober after uh, opiate addiction and alcoholism. And um, he's just... So he's now a coach, and my God, go hire this man. If you want the show notes and links to contact him, just go to launchpadpub.com slash blog slash Greg. And now I give you Greg Barrett. Hi, Greg. Hi. This is my fourth time saying hi to you. Yeah. Um, I do the intro separately, so listeners, you already heard it. Uh, this and I'm sure I said it, even though I haven't recorded it yet. This is one of my favorite people on oh. the planet, the planet. And thank you. You are in for a treat. No pressure. Um, now, this is this is what I have to say about you. Okay. You're so modest. You are so funny. You are so kind. And. Um, one would not know that you were a number one New York Times bestselling author from talking to you. Um, no, I don't bring it. I don't bring it up much. You, I, in fact, I would like to coach you to bring it up more. I, I, I've actually heard that from people. 
Yeah. So let's... I've actually, I, I had a coach for a while ago. Why aren't you talking about this anymore? And I'm like, I don't know. Even in the bio you sent me the other day, you do not say number one New York Times bestselling author. You say New York Times bestselling author. There is right. such a massive difference to the point that I'm going to change it, at least for what I put on my website. Yeah, I, I started to realize that. I didn't, I didn't realize that, that, that I really should make that distinction. You really should. Twice. Twi twice. Twice, New York. Yeah. That happens to nobody. I mean, it obviously it's happens to somebody every week. So that's an inaccurate. Right, thing. right, right, right. It does actually, actually, it does actually happen. Literally <laughs> happens to someone. Literally, else. literally, it literally happens to people all the time. Um, it just doesn't happen to that many people in the grand scheme of things. No, it tends to happen to the same people week after week after week. Yeah. So let us talk about your journey to authordom because it is highly unique. How right. Okay. Start? Sure. Yeah. Well, I had, I'd never had any intentions of writing a book. I mean, more than, you know, like other people have, I mean, you know, people, everybody thinks they have a book in them, you know, um, you which not. they do. You did not. What's think that? You did not think you had a book in you. Is that true? No. And, and, and when the idea to write a book came up, you know, I mean, I can just tell the story really quickly, but, but, you know, I was working as a consultant on Sex in the City. And, um, and there was a girl that was one of the writers, um, was having a, a problem with her boyfriend and she was seeing a guy who didn't want to have sex with her. And she asked me if that was bad. And, uh, and then I just stared at her for 15 minutes. Um, but then eventually I said, he's just not that into you, which I don't remember saying. And then this other writer, Liz Tuchillo, who was there, who's the co-author of the first book, um, grabbed that out of the air and said, Oh my God, he's just not that into you. That's a book. And I was like, I don't think so. I mean, it's barely a pamphlet. And uh, she's, like, she's like, no, it's a book. It's a book. It's a book. And, uh, and fortunately I listened to her and we decided to write a book. Well, and, and then the episode became a huge hit, which you didn't know would happen. Right. Right. Yeah. The episode really popped and they were talking about it on the view the next day. And, um, and, uh, and that's when, you know, Liz was like, we really need to do something with this. So what happened next? So we wrote a treatment. We wrote, um, we wrote intros, two chapters and a table of contents. You know what kills me and kills anyone who's tried to sell a book? It's not even called a treatment. It's called a proposal. That's proposal, right. How yeah, little right. you, you know, so, so you write this proposal and uh, you got an agent right away because you guys worked on Sex in the City. Is that, is that how that happened? Yeah, I was at, I was at ICM and, and I got one of their junior lit agents who, um, uh, who repped the book. Sold it very quickly? No, no, it went, it, it, it went, I mean, it, it sold, I mean, we went to about six, eight, I, I guess we went to about six, six publishing companies mm -hmm. and we got everything from somebody saying, this isn't even a magazine article mm -hmm. to Simon and Schuster spotlight, which was like a little, um, you know, a little tertiary um, label of theirs. And uh, that did like novelty books and they liked it. And so did you get one of those massive advances or not really? No, not at all. No, we got, I think we got, I think we split $35,000. Wow. 
So then you, you sat down and wrote the book and you and I've lately been talking about the format for that book. Uh, yeah. how, how did you guys figure it out? Who did you, you know, sit in the same room and write? How did that work? Well, she lived in New York and I lived in Los Angeles. So we did a lot of it at the beginning by email, but then we decided to get together. And it was those days together that really formatted the book. You know, writing together was really um, important. Um, and we got a lot of help from my wife also Yeah. Uh, at the time, who was really encouraging and, and, um, and really contributed quite a bit to the book. Um, and, you know, we just sort of broke it down into its easiest little pieces. You know, we started with, he's just not that into you if he, he doesn't uh, call you. <laughs> you know, and then we worked it all the way up to he's not that into you if he has to be drunk with you all the time. And so did you say, well, it's going to be, I don't know how many, is it 12, 12 different issues that'll be chapters, something like that? Yeah, we sort of came up with a format for how we would lay out the chapters, which was a little explanation at the beginning and then answer questions. And were they real questions? Some of them were. Okay. And, and, and some of them weren't. Yeah, because nobody would have nobody would have known me at that point to write and ask me questions. Right, right. So, and so you answered all the questions, and then Liz would write something at the end, sort of analyzing right. that. Um, very honestly, especially the one where I mean, she basically writes the, in one chapter. Yeah, maybe we are supposed to settle for Mister Good Enough, but like, what if? you know, what if this, you never really get treated well? I mean, it was something like that. It was so honest. I remember it when I was single feeling that way, just going, yeah. you know what? I'll just date a guy who's not that into me because that's better than being alone. And I thought that was just piercingly honest. Yeah. Liz's part of the book is crucial. I get a lot of the credit for the book because I'm the person that they're seeking. You know, it's a guy's advice. So yeah. I'm the guy. Um, but Liz was crucial in, 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 in backing my, in backing me up, but also in questioning me. Yeah. You yeah. know, she, she doesn't always want to agree with me. Yeah. I certainly didn't. I read that, but when I read that book, I was enraged, thought you were wrong, didn't know you, you know, because I was dating a series of guys who were not that into me that, that, that let's be fair, had intimacy issues or sure. maybe they just weren't that into me. Um, but I, but I do know the difference now and the book didn't enrage me when I just reread it. So what then, you know, what I, since you had really such a Cinderella experience and most people who have a Cinderella experience don't even know they're having it. They just think this is what it's like to have a book come out. Let's talk about what happened, the kind of attention you got, what the launch was like. Well, the book came out and they only published, I think. 75,000 copies, something like that. Okay, do you and know how big a print run that is? Most print runs are like 3,000 or 5,000. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was this was back in the back in the day, yeah. Yeah, it was something something like like that. But there was no there was barely any online books. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, you know, th that was the really, you know, most people bought their books from Amazon, but they bought hardcover books from Amazon. Yeah. Pre-ebooks. Um, uh, and, uh, and so the book came out and we got a couple of reviews, but um, within this, I think it was the second week of the book's release, we got asked to go on Oprah. 
okay, how did that happen? How did Oprah find it? So the publisher sent her a copy and it went to the executive producer and the executive producer said, we don't do dating books and, and, and said no to it. And then there was just a really aggressive producer, a young producer who got it to Oprah yeah. herself and had, and had, and Gail read it first and then called Oprah wow. and said, you got to read this. And then Oprah was all over it. And so then did you both go on Oprah or just you? So we both went on Oprah. Yeah, we both went on Oprah. But Oprah talked to me. She wanted, Oprah didn't care about the book. She didn't want to talk about the book. She yeah. wanted me to tell women that their guys weren't into them. Like that's what she wanted the show to be. Right. So it was less about the book and more about, oh, I call it the party trick. You right. know, where a girl explains everything to me and then I eventually just say he's just not that into you. So how sick are you of uh, saying that, you know, basically waiting out the story? Because usually those explanations are very long. I know because yeah. I used to make them. And you yeah. know what's coming. And I mean, h- how many times would you say you've had to do that? Oh, my God. I, thousands and thousands of times. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then people's responses aren't always pleasant. No, sometimes they don't agree, you know, and I'm always happy to say that's fine. You know what I mean? You have your own story, you know, Uh, it, you know, you ask my opinion. This is my uh, assessing it. This is my opinion. And so then you go on Oprah. Was that nerve wracking? What was that like? You know, I, I wasn't nervous about it till it started because I, I had, I mean, I'm being really honest. I, I don't know if I'd ever watched an episode of Oprah. Yeah. Obviously I knew she was, and I knew she was a big deal, but it just wasn't my milieu, you know, it just wasn't, I wasn't television that I watched. Yeah. So I didn't quite get what a big deal she was till she walked out on stage. Yeah. And the crowd went absolutely batshit. And I suddenly went, oh my God. This is big. This is a big deal. I mean, and I knew, I mean, obviously Liz and everybody impressed upon me how important it was. But I think probably not having seen her show made me a better guest. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a friend who worked for OWN, and so I was invited once to a premiere that Oprah was introducing the movie. And it's the only time in my entire life where you were just allowed, these are sophisticated people who live in Hollywood, you were just allowed to start taking her picture. You know, that's one thing for paparazzi to do it, but for like LA people dressed up at a premiere, that I had never seen that done before. But she's just so famous that that these jaded people didn't care. It was very interesting. Yeah, I mean, she, she, um, she's the real deal, man. She really is the real deal. Yeah. Um, um, uh, she was very sweet and, um, and really promoted the book. I mean, she kept saying, get this book, get this book, get this book, every break, get this book, get this book. So what happens after that, after Oprah airs? I mean, or was it live? It was live. No, it was, it was a week before it was, it was a a week before. So Uh, I went back to LA, I went back to LA and I was, I was writing on a show. And I went back to the show that I was writing on mm-hmm. and the, and we all watched the episode at work mm-hmm. and um, it aired. And then uh, 
we went to Amazon to look at the thing and the book had been at 800 in the morning. Mm-hmm. It was somewhere in the 800s and by that night it was at number one. Yeah. And by the way, 800s is not bad either. either. 800s well, I mean, is were, not bad at all. There were fewer books then, but still. Um, so it's at number one. How long did it stay the number one most sold book on Amazon? It was sort of back and forth with John Stewart's America from um, it was in that the show aired, I think, in August, and it, it stayed number one almost all the way through Valentine's Day. Wow. So what happens to your life? What I do, you know, suddenly everyone's calling you to say, hey, will you do a talk show? Uh, what, what happens next? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they wanted to turn the book into a movie. And they did. Um, and they did. Yeah, we did. We sold, we sold the script and the book. They didn't use the script, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we got asked to go on. We were on everything. We were on every morning show. We were on every, you know, we, I was on, I think I went on the Tonight Show. We did um, Larry King, Anderson Cooper. Um, they did a 2020 on us. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really, it was really something. And so your life does, did change overnight. I mean, you were already very successful, but did it change overnight? I was, you know, I was moderately successful, but as a stand-up, but not, you know, not like a, I wasn't like a, everybody knew who I was. You were writing on shows um, though, so you had already. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. It. And I was working, I was definitely working and I had development deals and all that kind of stuff for my comedy. And, you know, I, I had all those kind of things going on. And then the book just exploded. And then I became that guy. Yeah. And let's talk about the conflict of becoming that guy. Yeah. Tell well, me about that. it just was, it was just sort of weird in that I never, I never, you know, like I wasn't a person who'd set out to have a career in the self-help arts. So, you know what I mean? I didn't, yeah. I just wanted to be a comedian. Yeah. And, um, and suddenly, you know, I'm a relationship expert and, you know, we're getting offered a second deal for a book, another book. And we're, you know, we're touring in Europe and just, it was just wild. It was like winning a contest, but I sort of, um, wanted to go back and do stand up, and I kind of couldn't in a way because everybody that came out to see me wanted to hear about the book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think if I was a wiser person, I would have really leaned into it, but I didn't. You can't do what doesn't feel organically right. You know? It was just knowing what to do with it. Like, it's different now, and now that I coach people and all that, but it, but it, 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 it's a different world. I think had there been a more robust internet or something, it would have been easier to handle. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have this in common. I accidentally became a relationship expert, but on a much lower scale, you know, because I wrote a Playboy story. So like whatever the like D version of your experience, which was still a good version. And, and, you know, and my experience was they said, hey, do you want to come on and talk about relationships? And I was like, wait a second, you're going to pay me to do that. And that that was how it happened. And I always felt pretty uncomfortable doing it in that role. Because for me, you were you were married. Like I was really struggling in relationships at that point, so I felt like such a hypocrite. 
Yeah, well, you always feel like a hypocrite, even married. It just, you feel a little bit like, who am I to tell people what to do with their lives? And, that, yeah. you know, how is my life, how is my life an example of something somebody should want? And, and so I found it. Um, and also, the thing that's sort of, the thing that is key in my work is that it's very simple. It's not super complicated. So I don't like to get into the minutia so much sometimes because I feel like when people complicate things, they're bullshitting themselves. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to talk about your relationship and then be done with it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, um, you know, I think because there are no rules for these things and we're fed a bunch of BS about them, it is the one place where people, not the one place, but it is probably the place where people are most looking for guidance. And they don't even care if you know, if you have a degree, if you're like a homeless guy on the street, like they just want to be told, even if they don't like the answer. Right. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. People just want to be talked to. I mean, they, they really want to be straight talked to. And, um, um, and it's, I mean, I find it sometimes it's, it, you know, and also some people want an answer. Some people don't, you know, that's just the difference. You know, when you're working with somebody who wants an answer, it's really fun because they're interested and they listen and they take your advice. When you're working with somebody who has their own story, you know, you're just wasting your time. And so, and so let's keep going with the publishing journey. So then you get uh, a second book deal that you did with Liz or that you did with Amira? No. So Liz didn't want to write relationship books anymore. Mm -hmm. She wanted to go off and do her own thing. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, but Amira and I wanted to write a breakup book. Mm -hmm. And so we got a deal to write a breakup book. And that also was a number one New York Times book. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I think is most interesting ab- about your story. What, it's everyone's dream. Everyone's dream. The number one New York Times bestselling author on Oprah. Let's talk about what people don't see about that dream. What that, what, what, what's the most, what are some of the most surprising aspects? What are, why is it, was it not a perfect experience? Or maybe it was. Um, that's an interesting question. Well, you're not um, set for life. Yeah. Everybody thinks you're set for life. You're not set for life. Yeah. I wish that, I wish that was the case, but it's not. Um, uh, you got to keep making money. But um, I think it was a pretty, I mean, it was a pretty amazing experience. I, I loved, I loved most of it. You know, I really did, you know, I enjoyed having a talk show when I had it for as long as I had it. You know, I enjoyed um, a lot of the places I got to go because of the book. You know, I got to see the world. And uh, I got to go see the world with my wife. So, I mean, that was great. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So it was, you know, I think, you know, a, a book doesn't um, seal your fate. It helps you get other things. I think most of the money came from other opportunities, not from the book. Can we break, are you comfortable breaking down like what you made from? Oh my God. I don't know. We made 50 cents or something a book. No, total. I mean. Oh, totally off the book? Like, like, are you still getting royalties? Yeah, we get small royalty checks. Yeah. Okay, so I won't probe and make you tell me the exact amount. But I'm going to guess you may not have been set for life, but it was a pretty 
penny. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was definitely good. It was definitely good. And so then, you know, let's let's um, expand on this idea of you're not set for life. What happens? Like, did you want to be continuing to write books? You still wanted to do stand up. So I still wanted to do stand up, which I did. And I shot a couple of specials, but we continued to write books. Yeah, we wrote one. Uh, we wrote one last year. Yeah. Um, um, uh, and those books don't sell as well as the other books. We but, we did. We did. Uh, uh, it's called the breakup because it's broken. And then we wrote, it's just a fucking date. Yeah. And we got to teach a life class for that. Yeah. With Oprah, which was pretty great. Uh, and then we put out how to keep your marriage from sucking about a year ago. And, uh, but you sold the books or did you publish any of them independently? No, we published them and we published the, we, we published, uh, it's just a fucking date. And, um, had to keep your marriage from sucking on our on our with a with a company that they, there was no money up from. We took a sixty forty split. Mm-hmm. And tell me about when when you had to get more creative for the launches. What did you guys do? Um, I mean, the same stuff everybody else does. You know, we went on the radio and went on podcasts, and you know, tried to promote it through our social media. Well, I mean, I don't, I, to be fair, I don't think that is what, what everybody, you know, somebody, a lot of the listeners are people who, who want to put out their own books, who don't have like the name value necessarily. How, how do you get on the radio and podcasts? Um, if you're just, well, po- I mean, with podcasts, you know, you, I guess you sort of got to hustle. I think you let people know you have a book out and you'd love to come and talk on their show. You know, yeah. I think you have to hit people, yeah, to hit people up. Yeah, yeah. You know, your book could sound really interesting to somebody, you know. Um, uh, with radio, we had a publicist at the um, uh, at Diversion, which was the label mm-hmm. that we put our books out on. And, um, and they did okay. They didn't, they didn't do great stuff, you know. But we had enough of a name from He's Just Not That Into You to get, you know, that sort of always helps me get press. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think radio turns the needle much at all, unless it's NPR. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think there's certain. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're 100 percent right. I think NPR is a good place to get is to get some press. But you've been on NPR, of course. Yeah, but morning shows and that kind of stuff, which we did, don't really turn turn the turn the dial. I mean, going on. I mean, we were on the you know with this last book, How to Keep Your Marriage from Sucking. We were on the Today Show twice, and it didn't do you know, did okay. I know. It's so interesting. You know, I, cause I did good morning America last week and I got this email from like a media company trying to get me to buy the clip and they put in the email. This is the value, the money value of the segment you did $250,000. And I, I'm thinking, I bet it sold 10 books. So how is that? It was super fun to do. Cause I haven't, you know, ever been on, I've done the Today Show and stuff like that, but I hadn't been on a huge show in a long time. But $250,000 value, like how are they counting that? Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know about that. That that didn't be, that wasn't the case with our book. I mean, with the first time we went on the Today Show, the the book went up the charts, but, but uh, the second time it didn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, you know, and it all depends too. Like in one of those segments, the, the host did most of the talking. Right. And so sometimes, you know, it, it depends on what happens in the interview. Yeah. You know, you've got to put out some kind of, you know, the thing about 
especially self-help, is are, is what you're saying going to be essential to somebody? Yeah, absolutely. You know, are you giving them an essential piece of information? What is the one thing that you're going to say? You know, the thing with he's just not that into you is like they would people would set us up with questions, and then I would say, right, that that guy's not into you, and it would sort of make the case for the book. You know, it was very simple. Had, has anyone ever told you a story where the conclusion was, actually, he is into you. It's just he'll take time or something like that. Oh, yeah. There's always somebody who's got some story where, where you know, the person came back into their life. or And we always just say, yeah, there's the exception in the rule. Yeah. You know, yes, yeah, yeah. there's an exception to every rule, uh, of course. But do you want to pretend that you're the exception the whole time and delude yourself? Or isn't it better to play it as the rule? Yeah. Then if you're the exception, you'll be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. That's good. Um, so, and so let's talk about building a business from the book. That is what you've done now. Yeah. Well, I've decided to, you know, uh, I've had these experiences writing. And so, you know, I want to share my, my, my ability to write books and my enthusiasm for it and what I know with people who want to write relationship books or any kind of book really well but first the coaching so you started coaching oh, yeah. and and are are people coming to you for relationships the, yeah they're coming to me for all, all of it for all mm -hmm. manner of stuff it's sort of weird i almost don't know how to promote myself sometimes because at first it was just life coaching and people were coming but i found that i was getting writers and i was getting comics and i was getting actors and i was getting people in the business who wanted life help but then they also wanted, you know, creative coaching. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so I do a little bit of both. Yeah. How do you do the, you know, someone listening wants to hire you as a coach. Like, how, how does that work? Do they sign up for five uh, sessions? What's the deal? Yeah. Well, you can go to my coaching page and then we do a 10-minute free call and we figure out what's best for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I usually do, I usually you know, talk people into the idea of doing six calls, you know, mm -hmm. something like that so that we can, cause you really do need to spend time with someone to get to know them. You know what I mean? You really need to talk to them more than once, but, but I'm also happy to have one call with somebody. Yeah. And so, and so do you give them, okay. And so listener, you and I have been talking about partnering on teaching people how to do self-help books because um, you've got this brilliant format and he's just not that into you, that other people have been copying for years and years and years. So why shouldn't it come from the source? Let's talk about that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. There's a, there's a whole book written about how to write a self-help book, and it seems like they look, took our book and used it as the format for the, for the, for the book, you know. Um, um, I mean, you know, the, the key thing with with all of this is, you know, if you want to write one of those books, what do you know? Yeah. What do you know that I don't know? What yeah. can you tell me? Yeah. You know, what can you tell me that I, that I don't know? And so then, uh, where do they go from there? So then they go, okay, well, I know about, um, overcoming, uh, tragedy. So then, then what's the next step? Show me all the ways you know how to overcome tragedy. And, you know, and it's the, are those different chapters? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Different types of tragedy and different types of, uh, you know what I mean? Like it, to, to me, 
you need to be able to answer almost any question. If you're the authority, you need to be able to answer any question on the topic. Oh, that's really a good, that's a good tidbit. Um, And so a lot of times, you know, it isn't, sometimes it will just be your personal experience, but sometimes it's going to be that plus a hell of a lot of research. Yeah, it depends on, it depends on what your, yeah, and what your, and what your subject matter is. Yeah. I mean, if you're passionate about the topic, it's going to be fun to do the research. That's what you're going to want to be reading and watching and all of that. Yeah. I mean, even with Liz and I, we just knew that we, Liz had had enough dating experiences and I'd had enough experience as a guy to be able to talk about all the different ways in which somebody would not be into you. Mm-hmm. You know, the truth, this, you know, the subtitle of the book is the no excuses truth to understanding guys, mm-hmm. which I think is a little bold. I don't know that you understand guys completely when you're done with this, but you understand what it, what it, you absolutely understand what it is when you're being blown off. Yeah. When you're not getting the kind of attention that you need. Yeah. Yeah. So, so somebody listening could have an idea for a self-help book and you could walk them through the entire process. I think I could, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, and, and listeners, if you like this idea, certainly email us and let us know, slash put it in the, your iTunes review when you talk about how much you love this, this episode. But, you know, basically we've been talking about, you know, doing some sort of a workshop or some sort of yeah. a structuring thing, because I think a lot of people do not know how to write a self-help book. I think a lot of people read them and think they know how to write them and then start them and realize, you know, they've got 70 pages in and they've said everything they have to say. I think right. that probably happens a lot. Yes. The, one of the key things with really good self-help books is the repetition. It's repetition. I know. It really It's repetition, is. repetition, repetition. I mean, even the very, you know, even if you read uh, The Power of Now, he is explaining the same thing to you over and over and over and over and over and over again. And he asks himself questions, you know, and then he answers them. And, and that's what any good help is, is repetition. It's practice. You know, it's, it's like sports. Yeah, it's so interesting because I really am not a fan of self-help books at all because I always say I get about 50 pages in and it starts to feel really repetitive and I'm a massively impatient person. So I'm like, why am I wasting my time reading this over and over again? You know, the same thing. But that's why your book is so special and why it was such a big hit because it's funny. There is a reason to, you know, I do not think most self-help books give you enough of a reason to read the whole thing. Right. I mean, ours is a, you can do that book in an evening like that. It is a, it is a, it's an easy to digest book and it's meant to be funny and it's meant to be light, but it also, you can go find your chapter in the book. You don't have to, the other thing is, is that we put all of the different combinations of what could be the problem in the book so that you can look it up and not have to read the first four chapters if you're chapter five. Right. Right. You know, because that's yeah. what, when people want help, when people, people who buy self-help books are in crisis, they're in crisis and they want an answer and they don't really want a preamble about how you've come to write a book. They don't care about all that stuff. You know, they, maybe they'll read it later, but what they want to know is I'm hurting. I want to stop hurting. How do I stop hurting? 
And I think that br- that brings up another point, which is I think a lot of people write self-help books with their own experience, talking a lot about their own experience. And while that can be interesting, the the listener, the reader wants a solution to a problem. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and that's why having a format and structure that works is so important because you can't. I, I say this having just published a book that's, you know, 75% my experience and then in the last 25% I get to, um, you know, tell you what I know. But, but that is because I didn't have your format. If I'd had your format, I could have just done that. So you guys, this is super, super valuable. If you're like one of the six people on the planet who has not read, he's just not that into you. Um, it's, it's timeless classic. I got to say, having just read it last week, timeless. Thank you doesn't go out of date Mm-mm. it doesn't really it doesn't really i mean you know uh even in this very gender specific time the ideas that are there are really can be used by anybody you know it really doesn't matter it, it's how you're being treated by another human being yeah yep so you guys be on the lookout for what Greg and I do together and please just go and hire this guy as a coach. What a useful, useful thing. So is it just going to your, to your website? So yeah. So if you go to Gregory um, I have a coaching page or if you follow me on Instagram, which is it's Gregor's, mm-hmm. that's my Instagram. It's Gregor's I T S G R E G G E R S. Um, you can just DM me. I love it. I love it. So, Greg, thank you. Thank you for being a person I adore so much. Oh, my, I adore you, too, and I'm looking forward to working with you. Yes. Okay, and you all, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. 